Look, for the Flyers on, we're going to start off, we'll, we'll start off with Monday night and obviously Monday afternoon. And it's a weird 20, last 48 hours for the Flyers because they have to play two games in the span of what was uh, thir- like, what, 30 hours or so. Uh, and so it's weird because obviously you're all in the West Coast Canadian time. So you had a four, four o'clock in the afternoon hockey game. And I had to do like a double take. Like I'm looking at my phone and I'm wearing, I'm like, wait, are we really playing the Edmonton Oilers at 4 p.m.? But that's kind of what happened. Felt like afternoon Phillies baseball, uh, Phils versus Mariners at the, at the CBP. But hey, we got some Flyers hockey. And this one turned out to be a win. That was the big plus. Uh, it was a great job of the Flyers fighting in that game against an, a Flames team who are, have been struggling. Daryl Sutter is on the hot seat, and it just kind of feels like it's one of those situations where you got an older coach. He's sticking to his guns. He's being a little bit stubborn, and it's not working for what they have right now as a team. And so the Flyers are able to take advantage of that. Um, he had a big game by Travis Konechny. Get to that in a second. Got a great goal by Tony D'Angelo with an absolute snipe. Uh, Wade Allison got on the board with his goal as well, getting his eighth goal of the season. My man, staying somewhat healthy this season. Knock on wood for Mr. Wade Allison. Uh, but he's got eight goals, which is pretty, pretty damn solid. But that was a big win because, remember, before that we had two back-to-back blowout losses to Seattle and to Vancouver, losing 6-2 respectfully in those games. And... It, it was both games where you had defensive on your defense on your mind. You know, you look at the lineups, and, and, and I think in the Vancouver game we had eleven forwards and seven defenders, uh, and so he still. And, and, and then the Seattle game that was the one where he decided to bring up uh, Kiefer Bellows instead of Ali Laxell. Um, so you lose, you get absolutely blown out, twelve to four to final score in both those games. So then you go into Calgary, you're, you're wondering where the psyche was, but throughout this game, the Flyers really played sound hockey. They never lost the lead. Obviously, the Flames, you know, they cl- they climbed back. They got some goals back. Um, Sam Erson got the start in that, in that one. And Sam Erson stays perfect on the season. 6-0 and oh is Mr. Sam Erson. The, 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 the future of that position is in good hands. For the first time in a while, we can say that our goaltending position is in good hands, so that is definitely great to see. Uh, Sam Erson uh, had 32 saves off 35 shots. Uh, the big blow, though, the positive was the win and the way you did win. Um, but the blow in this one, however, was the fact that you did lose Travis Konechny. He went down in the second period, and Flyers had to rally around. And obviously, TK this year has been the best player for them. He's been their leading scorer. He's been their heartbeat, especially offensively. Uh, so you had to play 30-some minutes without TK, and the Flyers were able to get the job done and find a way. And that this that was a win where they definitely had to brawl and scrap that bad boy out. But you give them credit because they got the job done. So you move into Wednesday night. And remember, uh, Tuesday afternoon, afternoon hockey. So now you got to go into Wednesday night and play some – or Tuesday night play some more hockey. I'm, I got all my days mixed up. Today is Wednesday. Today is Wednesday, guys. It is early in the morning. It is currently quarter to eight in the morning. So we're, I know where we're at. I, I know where we're at. But we're moving into bank, into um, into Edmonton. You did face off against the team less than two weeks ago in Philadelphia. So different circumstances now that you are in Edmonton. 
When you're facing off against the Oilers, the one thing you're looking at your scouting report, the one thing you're looking at in your preview is you're looking at and you're thinking about how do you slow down Connor McDavid? Because you're not stopping Connor McDavid. No, no, no. How do you slow down Connor? And even in Philly, when we beat them, he had a lot of opportunities and he demonstrated the skill. He demonstrated and showed why he is who he kind of is. Uh, but this one is a heartbreaking one in the sense that it's not Seattle or Vancouver where you get absolutely demolished. It was a little bit more like Calgary where you had to grind this one out. Now, for the first two periods of this game, the Flyers looked really sound. They played very disciplined hockey. And, and by the end of the second period, they had themselves a 2-1 lead. And even and again, remember, so going into this game, like we mentioned after the Calgary game, no TK in this one. He would he would sit out. They're gonna evaluate, they probably are evaluating him here today as Philly uh, the Flyers should be arriving back to Philadelphia today as they gear up for their Friday night game. So we should hear word on TK within the next couple days before the Friday uh night showdown against the Canadiens. But in this game, you could start off with a Noah Cates goal. That was a great one as Wade Allison did a great job of the forecheck of protecting the puck. And Noah Cates demonstrating a little bit of skill, wrapping around the goal, getting in between the five hole. And that got the Flyers up one to nothing. Tyson Barry did get a goal late in this first period, which was heartbreaking because it was a very, very clean period for the Flyers. They looked like the better team. Um, we talked about Cates getting one pie spot by Skinner there. And for Tyson Barry on the power play as well, of all things. And that's... Something that we'll we'll be talking about um, in in length in this game, but the power play the power the power play kill really killed the Flyers on this day. Um, Tyson Berry gets that late second goal. Uh, but it got a little, I think it got a little deflection off a of dry cycle, if I'm not mistaken, or or off some some uh, uh, Edmonton player or Flyer player. But regardless, one one game. Um, Owen Tippett gets a goal in the second period. This play was brought to you by Kevin Hayes and his great vision. I mean. He gets his puck. It's a turnover in the Edmonton end. Kevin Hayes gets the puck. And I swear to you, I don't know how he knew Owen Tippett was going to be at that spot at that time. He literally, near the blue line, near the right hash of the blue line, he just kind of shoves, a, sauces a pass near the net. And then here comes Owen Tippett with all his speed and might. And he kind of redirects it and he gets a goal. It was a nice, I'll be honest, it was a very nice goal. Ali Lexell. Uh, get, getting in on that four check. Kevin Hayes with a beautiful pass and Owens with the even better finish. Um, and, the, and then like right there, the momentum is all on the flyer side, right? It's 2-1, heading into third period. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? So third period, um, the flyers get themselves and a double minor thanks to Ali Lex. Ali Lex, big part of that second goal, but also a big part of the downfall of the flyers here. Oh, man. So a double minor penalty, four minutes on the penalty. Leon Dreisaitl in the first part of this double minor gets a goal. Why? Left on an island. And that, not much as you can do there. Dreisaitl finding a way to sneak through and, and it just absolutely buries a puck. Connor McDavid on the third goal. How do I explain like what I saw here? Um, this is like... This is definitely going to be like like a sports center top ten type of, like that one like one of those type of plays. This dude does a full pirouette, a spin move, all right, and then he gets to the left side of the net, shoves a pass, 
if the flex off of Travis Sanheim goes through Carter Hart's five hole, and it's like, what do you do at that point? It's Connor McDavid. This man is his job. He gets paid twelve, almost thirteen million dollars a year to just bear his players out there. That's just what he does. Um, and so that that got the that got the three two. Connor McDavid uh, adds an empty netter um, with with less than three minutes left into the period. Um, the Flyers were on a power play, luckily. And um, you, uh, Tortorella decided to pull the pull the goalie. Um, Connor McDavid found the puck, and he just from from the from the Edmonton end as well. He just shoves that puck all the way down ice, and that got him the empty netter. And that would really do it. Um, as the Flyers lose this game four to two, it is disappointing because when you look at this game, the reason why you lost was because you lacked discipline in the most important moments of this game, and that and, that, and that's hard to kind of move forward from. But I will say, I can't take away the first two periods. They played really well against a good Edmonton Oilers team. And they have played well against the Oilers this season. We talked about the win earlier in the year in Philadelphia. Um, you you obviously, I, I thought Carter Hart was solid. You know, he did allow three goals. But, I mean, again, how many times can you put Carter Hart in those situations? Like, everyone right now, I feel like, in Flyers Nation, wants to pin Carter Hart and Sam Erson against one another. And the tough part about it is, is that I think Sam Merson is very talented. I, I mean, I, I don't think that you go six and zero and your first, uh, I guess seven starts, uh, and, and and look as good as you have. When I watch Sam Merson play, like I, when I watched him against Calgary, he looks so calm and composed. And so um, when it comes to like the Carter Hart or Sam Merson debate, I just think that Sam Merson it just hasn't been here long enough. Carter Hart's been dealing with this BS since two thousand and twenty, man. He's been through some dark times and some of the darkest times last 20 years of Flyers hockey history. All right. And so Sam Erson is just into this. Yes, Carter Hart, it's so tough to expect Carter Hart to do this every single night in and night out. And really, if it wasn't for the implosions in the third period, I mean, we could be talking about a win or maybe even an overtime loss. Edmonton's that good, guys. They're in that Pacific division. It is a gauntlet. It's like between four teams. Who can win that division? Um, I, I did think that, you know, Risto is someone we constantly talk about. He's been quietly having a really solid year. This game, however, was the game for Ivan Provorov. He looked really solid. There was one play where Connor McDavid, and you guys know Connor McDavid, dude, when he's getting up, when he's got full ice, he's coming full speed. It is so hard to slow that down. But Connor, he did, Ivan Provorov did a good job of slowing him down on that play because if not, it could have been a goal. And overall, I thought Provy was doing everything possible to to just provide some defense for Carter Hart. He looked really, really solid um, here in this game. He was a plus one. Nick Sealer with a plus two. Nick Sealer risking that body night in and night out. And that's why he's going to be probably traded in the trade deadline time, near the trade deadline time, because um, his stats look solid. And for, you know, obviously in today's analytical world, he's someone that a lot, I think teams would definitely be be clamoring for. Uh, especially who need teams who need some some um, some defensive depth. You know, we just played Vancouver. Luke Shen, former Flyer, and I, and you know, I, I thought I did see on Twitter the whole Luke Shen trade being brought up with the fact that Morgan Frost and Joel Ferry not really providing much. But look, Luke Shen is is has really developed into a really solid defender and one that most teams can kind of count on. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see. I think the trade deadline is going to be very interesting for defenders. I mean, for the Flyers, you have Nick Sealer. Um, you do have Justin Braun, 
It is freaking wild that a lot of our salary cap, a lot of our money is really tied up into this defensive group. Sanheim, Provi, Risto, Tony D'Angelo deals. Wow, that's that's really where we're at right now. Um, I I mean, dude, this is like how do you what do you compare this to? It's it to, to me. This like putting all your money on your defensive unit that doesn't really produce well is giving a lot of Detroit Lions vibes when they spent number one overall pick after number one overall pick after number one overall pick on freaking wide receivers to just be three and 13, right? Like Charles Rogers, who they have, Roy Williams in 04. Um, I don't think they drafted a receiver in 05. Uh, but then you had, who's the kid? Mike Williams uh, out of USC. They drafted him in the first round. Uh, and then they, they hit on Calvin Johnson. So maybe we'll find ourselves uh, our elite defenseman, our, 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 our how. We'll find him eventually. But for right now, uh, this is what we got to deal with. We got to deal with defenders. And, and overall, like the problem is with this defensive group is that, like tonight, we're, we're, we're on, on, Wednesday, on Tuesday night, we're raving about Ivan Provorov and his performance. But there are games where we're doing that about Travis Santa. We're doing that about Rester Salina. And then the next game, they do some boneheaded stuff. And that costs us the game. Unfortunately, tonight, a lot of people are going to point the finger, finger, probably point the finger at Ali Lexell. But I really do feel like Ali Lexell, with the Zach McHugh and injury, I would rather see him out there. I'm, I'm just being completely honest. Um, I think it provides more offense. Um, and that's really what this team needs. I mean, John Tortorella loots to it all the time. We don't have world beaters. Yeah, that is correct. So why don't we put out more offensive-minded players? I, I think that, to me, is more self-explanatory. You know, especially you're going up against uh, a team like like just the Vancouver and Seattle games. Why not put more offensive-minded uh, players out there? You know, in the Vancouver game, he puts out 11 forwards and seven defenders. So just honestly, quite just honestly, just does not make sense. Um, Joel Farabee, you know, I, again, I continue seeing the debate, you know, do we give him a slide or do we not? I, I, I do think that what Joel's coming back from has a time period in which you should be coming back. And he definitely came back way earlier than that. And it is hard to bounce back from that. Um, but overall, I, I, I think I'm, I'm in the ballpark where everyone else, which this season, I just have to, I just have to chalk it to that, because you look at the first two years that he was here regularly, he was really good, like really, really good, and it, and and I and I really want to believe that that is a Joel Faraby, and I think it is. And again, this injury is pretty serious, so we'll have to wait and see what that comes about. But you know, besides that, I mean, really tonight it was about the defense. I mean, you allowed four power play opportunities. Um, and they scored on on uh, on two of those opportunities, uh, but at twenty seven shots. I mean, the shots on goal were pretty much identical, and that's because they had the edge through the first two periods, and, I, and that's just something that has to get better. You know, power play, power play kills something. This this hockey team's been struggling for quite some time now since I was an adolescent. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Uh, so it's something that definitely needs to be approved upon for sure. Oilers def- did out hit them. Um, and 17-13 on the blocks here. Um, Flyers were able to win in that category as well. We'll see what happens with Travis Konechny. Obviously, not having him here in this game. Uh, well, it, it definitely was frustrating here. Um, especially when you have Connor McDavid, 
who quite literally um, had a career night. Uh, I mean, he got, what, seven points in this game. Uh, he also himself got his 800th point as well. Uh, so it's it, 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 he, he's, he's really honestly um, fun to watch. It, it really is. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see about um, the possibility of Felix Sandstrom as we're talking about goaltending. Uh, what will be the future for him? Obviously, those seven days are coming to an end soon, and you got to make a decision. And I do think that Sam Erson has solidified himself as that backup goalie. So uh, I think that you're kind of stuck there. But it, it it will be interesting to see of what the Flyers do decide to do. Noah Cates, again, um, he has solidified his role for the future. I, I think he's one of the – and this is why, like, you know, we bring up the debate about what should the Flyers do. Did they make the right decision by not tanking? Are they making the right decision by winning hockey games right now? Um, you know, I, I went on a rant this morning because obviously as a, you know, one, one, a, a key member of the 5 for 5 community here, <laughs> uh, you know, this on Tuesday morning, you had 97.5 The Fanatic announcing the big announcement that uh, they will be the radio broadcaster of the Philadelphia Union. As, as a 5 for 5 fan myself, I'm extremely excited and happy about that. And then right after that show, you go into the Anthony Gargano show, and then he starts putting out the theme of the show, and it's the state of the 4 for 4 Philly sports. And I'm just like, Ant, really? This is a joke. This is an absolute joke. But then I'm sorry, you know, because I love it. I, I, me personally, everyone knows I love Anthony Gargano. I just disagree with his decision to talk about the state of 4 for 4 uh, on, a, on a, right after making that big announcement with the union. Um, so he then goes on about a state of the union. He goes on to the Flyers. Um, and look, I, I think that, honestly, Anthony, like most Philly sports fans, are not really plugged into the Flyers right at the moment because, obviously, this year's been really good. You had the Phillies in the World Series. For most in Philadelphia, they were in tune with the MLS Cup and the union as well. We just got done with the Super Bowl run with the Birds. And so... And obviously the Sixers, you know, we're waiting for them to get out of the second round at some point with Joel Embiid and James Harden. Um, and so when it comes to the Flyers, I think that people love them still. But I think people are kind of honestly fed up, which I understand that. But I think that people are a little bit not in tune with what's going on on a day-to-day like they would be with the Sixers or the Flyers. Or I'm sorry, Sixers or the Eagles or even the Phillies. And so I, I think this whole narrative about... The mistake of not bringing Johnny Goudreau is misconstrued, and that's kind of what Gargano brought up. You know, he was he was dis- he's upset and pissed off that they we didn't go out and get Johnny Goudreau in the offseason, and now we're not tanking for Connor Bedard because we do need that talent. Although I do agree with agree with that premise, it's about how you go get that talent. I've talked about it before. Yes, I wanted Johnny Goudreau, but the bigger problem at hand was Chuck Fletcher was still in charge. We talked about the blueprint, following the Rangers' blueprint. But in order to follow that Rangers' blueprint, you also need a a much more better structured front office than what the Flyers currently have. All right. So if we're going to go out and get a star player, I would much rather not have Chuck Fletcher in charge of putting a team around that star player. So the reason why I'm not particularly mad that Johnny Goudreau's here, not here, and I'm not mad at the fact that we're not tanking, because I think that right now we're doing the important piece, and that is setting the culture, that is cultivating that, that is setting the foundation up without having Chuck Fletcher to put his stinky, ugly, dirty fingerprints all over this product. So for right now, what the team is doing is what it needs should be doing. 
Now, obviously, the front office needs to wake the fuck up and fire Chuck Fletcher. There's no reason he should be here. There, Listen, I, I can put out a pro and cons list because that's how I always handle these type of situations in Philly sports. And the cons list outweigh the pro list by miles. So until we start talking about getting a Johnny Goudreau or a Connor Bedard type, let's make sure that we can put a roster around him. What do you want? The, the Con, we just got the Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is so good at hockey, he should have two Stanley Cups by now. But because what Edmonton has done and, and not putting a good roster around him, you see what happens. He hasn't even been to a Stanley Cup. He just got to his first Western Conference Finals this past year. Do you want that, Philly? I don't. I want sustained success. And right now, we're in a spot where we can control that. But what needs to happen first you got to part ways with the boy himself, Chuck Fletcher. So to everyone's point, tanking, not saying I'm, I don't disagree with that. Because obviously, I was on the forefront who was banging my goddamn chest about trust the process. But I don't have a Sam Hinkie here, okay? I, 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 have, I have a dud. I have a bum. And I need this guy gone before we can talk about a rebuild, talk about bringing star players in here, any of that. But for right now, what the Flyers are doing is fine. Torts is taking care of the roster. He's building up these young players. And they're playing better hockey than we have in the past two seasons. Since the, since the bubble. And, and, I'm, and I'm happy with that. So like I mentioned, next up for the Flyers. Friday uh, night. We're back at home finally. No more late night hockey messing with my sleeping schedule. Um, we, can do game, we can do recaps right after the game. But uh, it's going it's, it's, it's to be interesting. Um, this team, I don't know where their confidence is at. It was a tough road trip. You get obliterated in the first two. You get a hard-fought win in the third. And then you have a heartbreaking loss in the fourth. So what is the psyche coming back here to Philadelphia? And I can't wait to see what that is about. But, guys, that's going to do it for today's Flyers Game Recap. I do appreciate everyone checking on. It's going to be a busy week here. We're gearing up for Union season begins on Saturday. So we got a bunch of content out for you through Philly Sports Network, through um, my my platform here on other parts of Philly. So make sure you guys are subscribed to this channel uh, for all things Philly sports. We'll keep talking Eagles, Phillies, uh, Sixers. Obviously, we'll be back in action this week as well. I think they're back tomorrow. So we'll be having that as well. But again, guys, fly, fires, fires, fire Chuck Fletcher, please. Flyers fall to the Oilers on Tuesday night, uh, 4-2 in a heartbreaker. And we're back in action uh, Friday night against Montreal. Thanks so much for watching, guys. I really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys hit the like button and subscribe. And until next time, I go by the name of El Parcero Philly, and I'm telling you guys, let's go Philly sports. Talk to you guys soon.